0: Welcome to Redefining the Good Life, the podcast that calls BS on the rat race of modern life and helps you finally have the courage to go after your dreams. I'm your host, Aishan Karaduman, a.k.a. The Omnivorist. I'm a life coach and functional nutritional therapy practitioner. Using a blend of mindset tools and ancestral nutrition, as well as understanding just what it means to be human today, I'm here to help you change the trajectory of your life. Another future is possible, my friend. Welcome on board. Hello, friends. Welcome to a new episode of the podcast. Well, I have to say, I launched, as you will know, um, I launched last week with the first three episodes and the feedback and the support have been incredible. I've been completely just, I've been so touched and it just makes me so happy to know that the podcast is getting out there, that it is speaking to you, that it is um, that it is resonating with so many of you. So yeah, and um, I hope that it continues to do so. And if you do love what you hear, do consider sharing this with one more friend today. So in today's episode, I want to talk to you all about a concept that, or a framework, let's say, that really allowed me to put so many pieces of the puzzle together. And it really is almost responsible for... Where I am today, and everything that I think about today, I think about it through this lens. And I have mentioned it a little bit earlier, but I wanted to really dedicate an entire episode to it. So, that is um, what I call the ancestral perspective or the evolutionary perspective. So, if you will remember, I think I spoke about this in the first episode, my story of, you know, during my first pregnancy, just you know the nerd in me came out and i hit the books and the podcasts on the, and the online conferences you know <clears throat> i dug into so much about just in general pregnancy and human health and nutrition and of course child rearing and childbirth and all that stuff and and what happened is as i was reading people and as i was kind of understanding where what was really resonating with me Everything, like all roads, started leading to a similar place. And that was this framework that I'm here to talk about today. And here is the basic idea. Now, if you think about us as humans on this planet, we have been around, at least if you think about our distant ancestors, we've been around for millions of years. I mean, I know that's completely mind boggling to think about. And if you really just if you're thinking only about the Homo sapiens, we've been around for the last two hundred thousand years on this planet. And what we tend to think about is that we tend to believe, I think, in our modern day, that we are different, that in prehistory, We were humans were a different thing, and we have changed so much, and we have progressed so much, and we have advanced so much since then, not just in terms of our culture and civilization, but also in terms of who we are, even us physiologically. I hear about this kind of you know this notion, this impression very often, but here's the thing: we actually evolved in that world. Actually, here's the thing: evolution is a very slow process. So we are actually, let's say you as an individual are not that different than somebody who was born, let's say 30,000 years ago. And that is the honest truth. So, but if you think about the world in which our ancestors lived and evolved over all those millennia, it is in such stark contrast to the world in which we live today, okay? Now, this is super important to understand for reasons I'm going to get into. Um, so this, basically, I, I guess this perspective and the idea that, well, maybe things haven't just gotten better and better (laughs) over time. Um, That really what this framework, what this idea did for me was it basically punctured that myth, that mythology of progress that we have. Like I said, that things are always getting better. Now we have science and technology, and we're always improving our knowledge of the world. And um, and life is, you know, you know back in the 50s, it was like better living through chemistry. And then we saw what that kind of did. It pretty much poisoned the world, right? And now we've replaced it with other things, but, you know, we've still replaced it with other things that I think are still part of that mythology. Um, and so, you know, the constant progress, quote unquote, has meant that a lot of us, especially in the Western world, especially in the developed world, we lead cushier lives than ever, But the thing is, we're also paying a really high price for all that convenience, and a price that is really high in health and happiness for many, many of us. So let's think about why that is. Back then, so let's imagine the world, let's say, prehistory. I mean, even calling it prehistory is a little arrogant on our part, let's admit that. It's basically, we're talking about millions of years, if not hundreds of thousands of years, maybe, and 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 it's like nothing happened during that time, actually, until we started like writing. (laughs) That's pretty much what that demarcation means. Um, But okay, let's go there. So think about um, the world in which our ancestors lived. Back then, we were all hunter-gatherers. So we subsisted on wild foods, both plants and animals. We had access to clean water and clean air. We were very much in tune with the natural rhythms of the day and of the seasons. We moved around all day. So remember, you know, we had to work to get our food. So we had to be on the move a lot, but we were moving our bodies a lot. But on the, other, on the flip side of it, we also rested a whole lot more than what, than what we do today as well. Also, we lived in small, close-knit communities, this is another really important thing. We lived in these bands of people that w- that were not so big that we were anonymous. We actually knew each other. We actually woke up to, and I heard somebody say this, that I, I, it w- I it was very evocative for me. She was saying, we were meant to wake up to dozens of pairs of eyes. And that is obviously in stark contrast to what most of us live through today. I'm not saying, you know, we want to live that way, but I j- just bear with me here. <laughs> and maybe... Most importantly, we were not living in a way or we weren't considering ourselves. Our worldview was not that we were separate from the natural world and there was spirit everywhere. So if, if there was a spiritual realm, it was not different. It was not beyond this world. Okay. So all of those things are what marked um, a very huge part of our time on this earth. So this is important because evolution, like I said, is very slow. So our bodies, our physiology, our psyches have actually still expected to be born into that world. And yet, where do we actually find ourselves? So let's contrast that with what we have today. So first of all, Think about our modern diets, the modern Western diet. Even, (laughs) there's a term for this, at least in the US, it's called SAD. It's called the standard American diet. So, and of course, I live in Europe. It's not exactly the same, but it's still quite industrial, much more so than people would like to admit. And um, so, yeah, our modern diets, for many of us, they leave a lot to be desired in terms of the basic nutrition that we need in order to thrive. And for many, many people, And unfortunately, increasingly a lot of children, it can be a total disaster as well. So so it's as if in our genes, in our makeup, we are still hunter-gatherers, but the only place we forage nowadays is the supermarket. So that is already a huge contrast to what we actually evolved um, to expect and also, of course, just the constant chronic stress of modern life, especially urban life. But not only, this isn't limited to urban areas either. Just, you know, the traffic, the shitty bosses, for many people, meaningless office jobs, problems with family members, mortgages and bills to pay, you know, all that adulting stuff. So all of that, and this is actually just scratching the surface, I think just the way we live our lives all day is, pretty much sedentary for many of us, it just represents such a chronic stress. Like our nervous systems aren't designed for that. Even the idea of sitting in front of a computer all day and feeling really exhausted by the end of the day, even though you have not moved your body at all, like your brain is frazzled and yet you haven't moved your booty. And I think even that is so unprecedented from an evolutionary perspective, like our brains and our bodies don't know what to do with that kind of stress. And let me make a quick distinction here. Of course, you're going to tell me, well, Aisha, back in the day, it's not like people had no stresses come on. Yes, of course, like there were a lot of stresses, right? And the thing to understand, though, is that the nature of the stress was different. There were a lot of, you know, life or death kind of situations, these were serious situations. But These were acute stressors, and these people had these acute stresses. And so that is what we actually evolved with. We have evolved with a nervous system that is equipped to handle these kinds of situations where you're in an emergency. It's kind of like a fight or flight kind of situation. But what's really difficult for us to handle today is the chronic stress. That chronic stress is something that we are definitely not equipped to handle. And so when you are really stressed out because of, you know, because of what's going on at work or what's going on with your spouse or, you know, paying the bills at the end of the month and losing sleep over it, That's like your body thinks it's actually going to be maybe, you know, about to be attacked by a saber-toothed tiger. And of course, it is giving the appropriate biochemical response to that. And when you have that day in, day out, that's when you're, you know, that's when the damage is really starting to happen. That chronic long-term stress is really taking a toll. And also, the other part of it is we're so completely disconnected for the most part from each other, from nature, from, you know, even from ourselves and from our own intuition. I feel like sometimes, you know, these are things I really started to get into, like I said, with pregnancy and having babies. And, you know, I I had babies like in my late 30s, like I had a whole life, a few lifetimes before then. And I was like, whoa, like I didn't even consider these things at the time. But then I realized, like, it's true, like, we get cut off from our intuition at a very early age because we get sent to school, well, some of us first daycare and preschool and then school and you're away and you're trusting basically your life and your well-being to the experts, right? You have teachers to teach you, you have doctors, like, you don't feel, you're not allowed to feel in your body, in your your own psyche to actually learn to listen to yourself and learn to develop that that intimate connection with yourself. Um, for many of us, this was not the case. And also, you know, that lack of community as well. You know, many of us grew up in that nuclear family structure. For many of us, that is still what we're continuing on today. And again, if you think about it, I mean, I haven't really looked into the to the history of this in any detail, but I know that it's a very recent development in human history. I also think, you know, So many of us have not come out of that experience unscathed. And I think that's also because, you know, there's that really old cliche saying, like, it takes a village to raise a child. And I think there is something to that. I think a child had to before, like, you know, or it it was ideal to have access to many different adults and many different role models. Let's say somehow your biological parents just were not the best fit for you. You know, it wasn't going to be the end of the world. So even that, I think... Um, Are these are all things that are you know that kind of exacerbate that difference between our own experience today in the modern world versus that experience that we had for many 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 millennia. So the difference between those two worlds, that stark contrast between those two worlds, is called the evolutionary mismatch. And I want to really drive home this idea that. Most of our problems today, whether they be physical or emotional, arise from that mismatch. It's because we are not, most of us, we are, we are not living in a way that is aligned with our original user manual, basically. I don't know if you read the book Sapiens. Now, I had a lot of problems with that book, especially where he went with it um, towards the end. And, but, but that's not the only thing. So I'm not, this is not an endorsement of that book, but if you have read it, I remember one part that got me really, really, that really left a mark on me, um, was towards the, the beginning, at least in the first half of the book, when he's talking about um, an individual, I think, back in prehistory, and how he was, you know, a hunter-gatherer, and how as individuals, we were so attuned with the world around us. We had so much deep knowledge. And, you know, as individuals, basically, in today's world, our world is more complex, our societies are more complex. We are able to achieve, quote unquote, bigger things. But as individuals, I don't know if this is the terminology he used, but we're basically a lot weaker as individuals. We haven't actually gotten stronger and healthier and happier thanks to all that progress that human human culture and civilization um, have made. So I remember that part had really, really, um, really marked me. So when I'm telling you all of this today, I want you to understand, you know, that I don't have... I don't have the answers. At least I don't have that many of them. But I'm just really inviting you to ask different questions. Now, for my own journey, what you know, as I explained before, it started. all of this started with being interested in food and health. Um, you know, the first way I got interested in or I got aware of this whole notion of the evolutionary mismatch was how, our modern diet and what most of us were eating was so different than what we evolved to eat and like the impact that that had on our health. But it really didn't, um, but it wasn't limited to that, right? Actually, when you start thinking through this lens, it ripples out into so much more. For example, again, I mentioned this earlier, but for example, the lack of movement that we have in our modern day. I even became aware of the idea that We sit on chairs all the time and couches and car seats, and basically, we're you know, we're always sitting at that height and never using our entire full motion of you know, getting up and down from the floor, for example. So, in my home now, what we have to switch to is we have very few um traditional seating. I mean, we do have a couch and we do have some chairs, but for the most part, we're sitting on the floor. I mean, we've actually cut off the um, the legs from our uh, our tables, and we have a lot of tables on the floor in the kitchen. we sit on the floor. Um, and I never bought like small chairs for the kids. And because you know actually if you if you have kids and if you you know observe your kids, you'll realize what natural human movement is really like. They're always getting up and down. they're squatting a lot. It's just a different, a totally dynamic, um experience um, a dynamic bodily experience, and actually, as a side note, that is one reason I had a problem with sending them to school, at least regular classical school where they would have to sit in like a little chair all day long and it, it, that's not natural for children that's not even natural for us, actually. <laughs> this is what I realized at least if they went to like like I said like a classical school and not something like a Montessori where they do have freedom of movement and I think the other way in which this mismatch really shows up for us in as modern humans today is this idea around the light and dark cycles of the day. It's basically like, you know, our civilization has, you know, invented time, basically, right? The 24-hour clock and the year and years and all of that, the calendar. And it's in a way that, like, we live on that kind of clock and that kind of schedule Instead of respecting the daytime and nighttime cycles, or respecting the seasons, because we change, we're—I guess—the the biggest idea here that I'm trying to really put forth is that we are basically we're animals, and in as much as we forget that, we get into trouble. So, um, so for example. When we are, first of all, we've had electricity for the last few hundred years, let's say. And then, of course, more and more in the last few decades, the proliferation of all these devices and screens and more and more, like more like getting more intimate with our screens. Now, here's what happens. This is like something very simple that happens to humans and to our brains. If your brain gets like a signal of light and especially like blue light after sundown, your brain is basically confused because it thinks that, oh, there is still sun out there, like the sun is still out. So it will, for example, suppress the production of melatonin, which is a hormone you need to have a good night's sleep. Okay. And so... This kind of like, and most of us don't even think twice about this, right? I mean, thanks to electricity, we end up living our lives. There are even so many night owls, um, people who think they're like total night people. But all of these are actually, for many of us, they're aberrations. Again, once again, it is not really in our user manual to live in a way that completely denies the natural rhythms of the day and the night. And so, and like I said, it actually suppresses hormones. It's not the, I mean, that's just one example. It actually suppresses, it actually messes with, the whole system in a much deeper way. It can even have effects on blood sugar and, you know, body composition and all that stuff. You know, we're just, we're basically playing with this stuff. It's almost like we're playing with fire without really knowing the consequences. And again, for kids, of course, this is super important. Um, And so one thing I do in my home is we have red Christmas lights. So that's what we put on as a night light. So if the kids ever have to get up um, to pee or whatever in the middle of the night, or even if we have to then we're not just complete, like we're not, our eyes aren't like assaulted by the regular light. Um, And of course, um, sleep, you know, getting into sleep hygiene. A lot of us don't get enough sleep or a lot of us don't get enough good enough quality sleep. Because again, for things like this, like looking at your screen or looking at your phone or what have you, until the wee hours, and of course, that's just going to make sleep very... um, you know it's going to make sleep unlikely or of worse quality um and of course spending time outside we are we live in a culture more and more we live so much indoors and you know i know that in certain countries like i think in the us this is a lot worse than what we have here in france but nonetheless it's a problem everywhere of living essentially indoors i know in my um in my native turkey this has gotten pretty crazy over the years, when I go back to visit, I notice like how much time people spend in homes and cars and shopping malls. And, you know, it's not even like, you know, it's not even an ambition to spend time outdoors. And it shouldn't even be an ambition, it should be just part of life, right? Walking around or being in green areas and just connecting with nature and spending time outdoors. Like, our because of again, once again, because of the way we evolved, our bodies, are psyches. Like we know what to do. Like we just feel more relaxed when we spend a lot of time outdoors. We just know because that's our nervous system recognizes that we feel good um, doing that. And so, you know, as as I've been saying all these things, like, you know, you, you can tell I've gone beyond f- just food when it comes to this evolutionary perspective and all the ripple effects it has. And I think, but I think beyond even just the lifestyle and physical stuff, I realized like what a huge impact it has on our emotional health. And so, you know, in terms of, you know, it's so rampant nowadays, right? Just depression and anxiety and, um, or even just a sense of like just general overwhelm. It's definitely not an easy era to be living through. Um, we have a lot of challenges, of course, in our societies and and um, our planet, but it's also, I think, a feature of of the fact that we don't live in that community like i notice in myself like i can get super anxious of course i can worry a lot about a lot of these things and where the world is going and what kind of world i've brought my children into and yet when i'm sharing that with friends when i have easy company and when i'm around people i love like it's so much easier to get out of my own head it is just so much easier to access those more supportive thoughts and those good feelings. So i think this is something we really underestimate as well. Just the isolation, just spending so much sh- like so much time in our own heads, i think it just yeah, it's just bad news. <laughs> um of course for a lot of us we don't notice these things. All the stuff that i'm talking about, the way we live today, it is completely invisible. It is part of the fabric of our everyday lives. I mean, you know, who, who who's ever told you before, like, the fact that you're sitting on a chair all day is actually probably not so good for you. I mean, we know sitting is the new smoking, blah, blah, blah. But like, that that conversation doesn't actually emphasize the idea that we need a variety, like we need a variety of positions and movements in our day. It's not about being static in any one position. Um, and so all of these things are invisible, right? Right. But that does not mean that we're not paying a price. So we are actually paying a very heavy price. So, you know, if you think about it, just in terms of human health, so many chronic conditions are so rampant today. Like, you know, in many of our countries, like in France, I think it's something like 20 million out of a country of like 70 billion, million. Um, I don't have exact numbers, but like something like a huge per, proportion of people suffer from a chronic condition. And I know in the US, it's a lot worse. A lot of people suffer from chronic conditions. I think a quarter of people suffer from multiple chronic conditions. And, you know, I'm talking about things like um, high blood pressure and heart disease, diabetes, overweight and obesity, um, so many autoimmune diseases. It's really like it's exploded so much in recent years. Fertility challenges, mental health problems, allergies, asthma, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And of course, not to mention the way we've been living, the impact we've had on the planet. And of course, like environmental problems and even disasters are just you know too many to get into here. But here is what I wanna suggest with all of this. Even though all of this stuff has become extremely Um, commonplace in our world today that we don't even bat an eye, like it's just part of, you know, it's just part of our experience. We take it for granted. But here's what I want to suggest to you. What is common is not normal, okay? And it's all because of this evolutionary um, mismatch that all of this stuff has become so common, but it does not mean it is normal. Now, here's why it matters that you know all this. Here's why I'm taking so much pain to explain and get into this. And the general idea you may have gathered already is that human beings are not meant to be broken. There isn't something wrong with you if you're not feeling your best, if you're not feeling amazing in your skin, having great energy all day long and and feeling like emotionally you're fulfilled, you, your life has meaning, um, you just feel generally like well-balanced and, you know, of course we have stresses, everybody does, that's a part of life, but you feel like overall you're on top of things and you're in control of your life. If you don't feel that way, two things, I want you to know that there is nothing wrong with you. It is because we're literally up against like (laughs) hundreds and thousands of years of evolution versus our current reality, which in many cases is an aberration. And the other thing is, when we actually know what's going on and what's actually wrong and what's actually at the root of all of our malaise, then we can actually do something about it. So those are really the reasons, the two ideas I really want to um, um, give you today. And so, and it's also like, of course, the very premise of this podcast, right? I spoke to you at the beginning about, you know, maybe you've done all the right things in your life, and yet you've come to this point where there is still this emptiness that you still feel. And also, lest you think that, you know, Aishen, you are such a pessimist, like, oh my God, all of this stuff is such a bummer. I actually... Beg to defer, I actually don't think of myself as a pessimist. I really, really don't. It's because I love exploring ideas, I love asking why and getting curious about why we do the things we do, why we feel the way we do, and ultimately, I believe in informed consent. I believe in getting curious, because when we can understand what's really going on under the hood, then we can do something about it, right? Right? I mean, when we know better, we can do better. And, and I really think that there is so much we can do to actually feel better and to actually shrink that mismatch. And of course, over the episodes, over you know the, the life of this podcast, I'm going to be talking to you more and more about all of those um, different steps we can take to start to feel better in our in our lives. And 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 an idea I just want to leave you with. This is an idea that I've recently come across, and and it's like I felt it, but like somebody finally put it into words for me. It was that health. Is not an individual affair. So, this is where, you know, this is my starting point, right? I got really into food and nutrition and health at the beginning. Um, But what I've come to realize over time is that health is not individual. Health isn't just something you do for yourself. It's not like, oh my God, I'm just going to do my yoga class and my green juice and whatever and then call it a day. Like, that's not it. Like, health is a relational thing. Health is a community-wide affair, and not just physical, but of course, emotional health. And so I think when we do this work for ourselves, but with the intention of making our communities better, our families better, and just leaving a better legacy, I think that's when things will really start to click. But of course, it does start with you taking good care of yourself first. That is definitely the indispensable step to get there. Okay? Okay, so... um like I said, it's, this, this stuff is for you to understand why you're not crazy for feeling the way you do sometimes, why there are really good reasons. But on the other hand, just because all that, you know, it's all stacked up against us, it really doesn't mean we're powerless. It's actually far from it. When we do have this knowledge, when we do have this awareness, it actually becomes so much easier to start doing something about it. All right. um, That's what I have for you today. Once again, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for your support. It means so much to me. And I will speak to you next time. Hey, come join us in our private Facebook group, Redefining the Good Life, where we continue the conversation about just what it means to have a meaningful life today. See you there.